Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome, and thank you for joining us today. The next two hours are devoted to learning something more, not just about the world of shoes and chips and sealing wax, but about how, what, and why we believe as we do. A time for the open-minded, willing to challenge some of those old ideas beyond what we think we know, who we are, and who we might just become. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. All right, our chat room is open, and my partner, Ravinder, awaits you there now. You can log on by going to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. We do have an outstanding chat room, so Ravinder, tell us all about it, please. We have a lovely chat room. We have people in the chat room who have been there, oh, for years, actually, since you started a... Uh, Hay House Radio, too. Um, and then we have people that come in for the first time. It's just a really good group of people, and they all add something. You know, I, I know in particular during last week's show, there were some things that I was questioning, and I got verification from, you know, some of the other people in the chat room, you know, things that I found incredible. They were sharing their experiences for it. So, um yeah, it definitely adds a whole different value, and people bring up questions, so it makes the show a whole lot more educational, actually educational and fun. So do come join us. That is provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. You actually have people come in and out of your chat room that uh, predate Hay House. They yeah. go back to our very first radio show. So let's make sure. All right. <clears throat> in today's spotlight, we turn our attention to the familiar notion of convenience. Webster defines convenience as, quote, the state of being able to proceed with something with little effort or difficulty, close quote. Now, we all like our conveniences, and why shouldn't we? But this is not the sort of convenient that I want to address today. No, the class of convenient I have in mind is that story, that explanation, that response that conveniently explains an otherwise difficult position. Perhaps a couple of examples will help unpack what I'm suggesting. Imagine a conversation where someone makes a statement that is clearly untrue and you challenge it. They respond with something like, "Um, you know, well, I was told that, so I don't really know for sure. Now, that's a convenient way to duck out of it. But perhaps they were actually told it by someone, so they get a pass. After all, the nature of their convenient response might just be true. So you pursue this. Who told you that nonsense? Their answer? I don't really remember. Again, how convenient, but then there is no penalty for forgetting, so once again they get a free pass. Oh, you might shrug and think to yourself, how convenient, but then that's usually the end of it, unless you're being cross-examined in a court of law. I seem to have been in the business of interviewing folks for most of my life. I've interviewed more than a thousand during criminal investigations or lie detection scenarios and several hundred more on my radio shows, and that doesn't include the hundreds that I have interviewed as an employer. I have often come to expect convenient answers when the subject gets at all dicey. Not long ago, we hosted Dan Ariely on Provocative Enlightenment. Ariely is a professor of psychology and behavior economics, teaching at Duke University. He's also the founder 
of the Center for Advanced Hindsight and the author of Predictability, excuse me, Predictably Irrational and the Honest Truth About Dishonesty. His research tells a compelling story. We all lie. Now, to an honest person, that doesn't come as any surprise. Some make a career out of it, however. That is, at least out of exaggeration and what advertising attorneys call puffing. Politicians are famous for lies and broken promises and convenient answers. So what's the big deal? Credibility. That's the big deal. We live in a world where the truth is often in shorter supply than the water in the Mojave. How do we know what to believe? Does everyone have an agenda? Is everything about selling us a product, an idea, a plank and a platform for a way of thinking, etc., etc., etc.? I can choose almost any subject and find contrary information. This past week, headlines told stories of the not-so-well-known ingredients in vaccines, such as formaldehyde, and how we should avoid them. Turn the page and you might read where recommendations are being made to make it criminal if you either badmouth vaccines or refuse to get your inoculation. Obviously, we must all be alert to the agendas on both sides of all arguments, but should we also challenge the seemingly incredible statements offered by many in the name of spirituality? Yes, such statements made in the name of spirituality. Should we challenge those? Well, I think so. Take this one, for example. Once I interviewed a person who had belonged to a church that prepared for the end of the world. It was certain, and it was near, and their prophet saw it coming, and their prophet was always right. So they built special shelters. They put in food and water and so forth. When the day was close at hand, the members descended into their bunkers to wait Armageddon. A few days later, they cautiously surfaced to find everything as it was. No Armageddon, no end times. How did they explain this? Well, the answer is simple. Obviously, their efforts, their goodness, their prayers averted the tragedy for all. Unlike the days of Noah or Lot, there apparently were more than enough good people to spare the earth. Now, in my view, that's a downright convenient answer. Other examples would include platitudes, such as, we are all perfect and a part of God, so there can't be any evil. I mean, after all, values are relative, and we make deals on the other side, so some of us choose to help others by playing the bad guy here on earth. This explains, of course, the actions of the likes of Hitler, serial killers, pedophiles, and, and on and on. They are here to teach us to forgive. And they made this deal with us. So they're not really evil, because evil can't possibly exist if we're all perfect and a part of God. Well, there are many real miracles to be found every day somewhere in this marvelous world. That said... Nonsense is nonsense and should be called out for the rubbish it is. The world today has developed science and technology that surpasses any time in history. 
We possess the ability to clone a human being, to make decisions with artificial intelligence, to view the operation of the brain lifetime and map its processes, to modify the DNA molecule, and so much more. And yet, we still have a world full of superstition and nonsense. I am sometimes reminded of the 14th through 17th century, a time in history when tens of thousands of witches were killed. Approximately 80% of them were women. Now, this was going on during the lives of men like Galileo, Bacon, Newton. Indeed, the great renaissance of the humanities, art, architecture, science, all was blossoming during this period. How then, in retrospect, did folks go so wrong searching out and killing witches? Once again, I would implore you, when you hear hoofbeats, Think horses first, not centaurs. And when you get that convenient answer, don't be rude, but don't dismiss it or accept it either. We wake up one person at a time, and waking up requires the careful discrimination of information you use to guide your way in what can seem like a confusing and sometimes dark world. We all would like to escape the dark whenever we encounter it. But running to any old light will only end in disappointment and eventually more confusion and therefore darkness. Your thoughts on this one, Ravinder? Oh, the convenient answer is something that, you know, is a another pet gripe of mine. I'm aware I have various pet gripes, but the person who has the convenient answer, such as, you know, everyone is right where they're supposed to be, or some people made a plan to come in to be a bad guy. It's like they're so convenient because it gives you permission to be selfish. It gives you permission to indulge yourself, to think about yourself and not be concerned about the other, you know, to be... You know, to think about, um, well, I'm manifesting prosperity, so I've got my clean sheets and my full <laughs> belly. And, you know, what about this poor guy that was just burned alive in uh, Jordan? Or the Jordanian guy, he wasn't in Jordan. The Jordan pilot, yes. Um, but, yeah, so these other things, you know, that they can help you feel comfortable. It's the classic, uh, the Freud, the sugar-coated neurotic crutch some of these convenient answers and I work hard to avoid them myself. I think you and I help each other sometimes, you know, because sometimes they're tempting and they can be an easy way out, but I don't think that is the way for spiritual growth or any growth of any kind to just jump on the convenient answer because it's comfortable and it fits in and it's all pretty and nice and everyone's hunky-dory. Sorry, I'll stop griping now. No, (laughs) amen, amen. All right, every week I read some of your letters as our way of paying respect to the very important role you play in making the show successful. Last week our guest was Linda Deer and we discussed her life as guided by benevolent angels. Diva Doc wrote, great show. Janet wrote, don't memories change over time as we think about them? Didn't you do a show where this was discussed? Well, the answer to that, Janet, is yes, they do. And, I mean, they would change many times from from the time you were 20 months of age uh, into adulthood. Richard wrote, Linda's over-eager, tense affect did not sell well. With the kind of severe abuse she suffered, it would be unusual for her to be non-delusional about the past. She describes cognitive capacities impossible for a 20-month-old human. 
I could lecture on this point alone for a while. I've been married to a person abused in childhood. Weirdness ensued. All the normal touch points we rely on to navigate our adult growth are blurred and twisted. Brian wrote, The nice thing that I can say is that Linda sparked some interesting chat to follow. I could hear Eldon's frustration. That is why I posted about finally getting something when Eldon actually got Linda to share a story of someone else she helped, which turned out to not be such a great example. I personally do not think the topic was too way out. I like this kind of stuff, but Linda was not so good in the interview, and I began to wonder about her credibility in helping others when she ducked out of so many questions. Gwyneth wrote, I was very frustrated after listening to the show. She did not give any straightforward answers. I got very disturbed when she commented that children, people who did not receive divine relief from their abuse, it was because they really didn't ask with enough desire. I think this is when someone from the chat room commented on the Holocaust victims and their desire to end the abuse. She never answered or replied. Something just didn't add up. Uh, Gwyneth is, of course, responding to the notion that the reason Linda received divine intervention was her intention, her sincere desire to escape. Liz wrote, Eldon Taylor, you are my favorite spiritual investigator. Come to think of it, there really aren't any others. I like that one, Ravinder. I do, too. Robert wrote, may God bless you with many year, more years of good health and peace for you to continue being the beacon of provocative thought and inspiration in the lives of countless souls in this world. Well, thank you, Robert. I'm truly honored by your words. Jan wrote, dear Ravinder and Eldon, I wanted to thank you for a most enlightening, intriguing platform that you offer each week to your listeners. You present your guest speakers with such a rich, non-judgmental format while still allowing your audience to accept the truth or reject it. Your insights have helped me to live freely in the moment instead of existing in my own personal story, one of fear and regret. Donna wrote, Eldon, one of the things I knew when I found your material was that I had to add it to my spiritual practice. I just knew that it could change my life and the way that I am in the world. I also decided to do what I call my immersion program related to money, cash dollars. I listened to Intertalk Prosperity, Millionaire Orbit, and Success Daily. I added your Echotech and a Platinum Plus CD. I will add a CD as I fall asleep next month. Since I started, over $15,000 of unexpected cash has flowed into my life. I am sure that my alignment with wealth and well-being will be ever-expanding. I work from home, so I have the ability to surround myself with your music and nature sounds, I deeply appreciate you and all that you have contributed to the world. You know, that's the kind of letter that we like to get. You you receive a lot of letters about prosperity. I do. I do. You know, we, ha- we do have some incredible stories about the Prosperity and Abundance program. <clears throat> now, I tell everyone, you know, not everyone is going to hit the jackpot playing the program. But... If you're looking for prosperity and abundance, that's the first place I would start, simply because if there's anything you are doing that blocks prosperity... Well, Donna, well, Donna didn't win anything. It wasn't about winning. I, I, you know, I see the letters that come in. Somebody says, I won the lottery, and I'm always a little, yeah, well, that could be coincidence. But, you know, the ones I like are the, the people that, 
you know, they're listening to the program and they begin to think that way. They begin to, you know, use their time more wisely, make strategic uh, changes in in their operation, and, and the money just seems to flow to them. You know, that's uh, anyway. Sandy wrote, "Dear Doctor Taylor, I have liked you on Facebook and have been on your mailing list for several years. However, it's not working for me." Well. That's probably because I don't do anything to change my comings and goings. What about osmosis? Just an urban legend? I suppose. Well, I'm finally ordering a CD, this one entitled Ending Self-Destructive Behavior. As you can see, I need to pay better attention. Thank you for being there. (laughs) What do you think of that one, Raph? Self-help and self-growth is all about doing, and the more you do, the more you can achieve. And I love it's her a constant process. It is. I love That's her cool. candor. What, what osmosis wouldn't do it for me? You mean I actually had to listen to? I actually anyway. I love it. All right. That's all the time we're going to take for letters today. But I do invite you to opine by sending your comments to Eldon at eldontaylor.com. That's E L D O N. Or by joining me on Facebook, and I want to thank all of you for your letters and comments. We truly appreciate your feedback and support. Now to this week's show, and I've been looking forward to this one. Love from Heaven with Lorna Byrne. Lorna Byrne is an international, number one best-selling author with more than a million readers around the world. Her books, Angels in My Hair, Stairways to Heaven, A Message of Hope, from the Angels, and Love from Heaven, her newest, have been translated into 30 languages. Lorna has been seeing angels since she was a baby. She sees angels physically with as much clarity as the rest of us see people, and she sees them every day. The overwhelming response of people all around the world who hear Lorna's message is that it gives them hope and makes them believe that they, too, have a guardian angel. Now... That her family is raised, Lorna feels free to discuss, and so she talks openly about what she has learned. Lorna has been with us before. She's one of my favorite guests. She always brings her angels with her as well, so we can ask them questions. So on that, let's get her in here. Welcome back to Provocative Enlightenment, Lorna Byrne. Hello, Eldon. It's brilliant to talk with you again. It has been a long time. It has been. I missed you. What have you been up to, besides a lot of writing and a lot of lecturing? Yeah, I, I've been quite, quite busy, but um, my youngest daughter started college, so that kept me quite busy finding digs for her and getting all the things she needed for college as well. So I've been grand, but I have to tell you, I have enjoyed listening to you talking there. Um, and and you do have a brilliant platform, you know, for for, you know, helping people to change their lives in so, so many ways. And I'm just, I actually feel very proud to, to be on your show. Well, thank you very much, Lorna. That, uh, you know, that's a compliment from anybody, but I treasure it from you. Let's, let's do this. You know, uh, you and I have chatted uh, two, three times in the past, uh, but a lot of our listening audience... Uh, they're they're not likely to be completely familiar with you, uh, so let's let's do some establishment here. What we generally you know think about doing is let's let's determine who is the messenger, what is the message, and how we use it. So your bio states 
and I know this, so, you know, the, you've been seeing angels since a toddler. Share this story with us, the first angel you ever saw, how you responded to it, how old were you, what was it like to grow up with angels? Um, well, there's a lot of questions in that, so I, I have to smile. Um, I'm so delighted that I have grown up with angels, and the very first time I saw an angel, I was lying in my cot as an infant. Now, I didn't know it was an angel because I was only an infant, and tried to reach up and catch them, but I couldn't. Um, I've seen angels physically all my life, and I wouldn't know what life is about. Um, you know, I couldn't understand someone else's life in, in one sense and, and know that, you know, people can't see angels. I found that quite confusing. Um, I don't know why God um, picked me and, and allows me to, to see angels physically as I would see someone walking down the street. I would see the guardian angel with them or any other angel that might be with them as well. Um, to me, it's all normal and natural because I know nothing else. Have you ever asked them, Lorna, you know, why me? Why is it I can see you? I mean, what's this gig about? I actually have, and I have each time I have asked, um, I've got back a very short answer, you know, and I've always been told, why not you? And that even shocks me because I'm dyslexic. I don't know if I'm getting the pronunciation properly after all these years. Um, so my reading has improved, but it is very, very bad. And, you know, as a child, you know, the angels would say to me, you know, I was to keep it a secret. You know, I wasn't allowed to tell anyone. And, you know, the first time they told me that they were angels was when I was actually playing with my little brother in front of the fire. And I know you know this story. Um and it was when our hands touched, it was like as if, you know, my hand went into his and I was only about two and a half, three, and I just kind of laughed. It, it was wonderful. And it was then that the angels told me that they were angels and my little brother was a soul, that he had died before I was born. And from that day on, they kept on reminding me you know, that I must keep it a secret. I mustn't say to my mom or my dad or, or my brothers or sisters, you know, that there's an angel there with them. But I'm so glad I didn't, you know, that yeah. I kept that secret because my parents and that, because I'm dyslexic and way back in Ireland back then, they didn't know what that was. So the doctors actually considered me retarded. You know, but I wasn't, and right. I've had the best teachers in the world, and the angels have taught me every single thing I know. Did, did in, in, the, in the very early go, did you just think these were imaginary friends, or were you unsure as to who they were? I mean, because you, you'd been seeing them, you knew they were there, but they hadn't yet told you they were angels. Um. You know, as a, a two-and-a-half-year-old child, two, two-and-a-half, you don't actually ask yourself those questions. That's you know, um, you have to remember that. Um, I, I was seeing these, these angels. I know I didn't know they were angels, but to me, even at that age, age I, I assumed they were part of the family. It never 
even as I got a little older, you know, sometimes I would ask them, but can my mum and dad not, not see you, you know, and they would say no. And, you know, I used to feel sad that my mum and dad couldn't. I'm going to ask you, you know. to hold it on that one, Lorna. We have a hard break coming back. We have an hour and a half to really get into the messages of the angels, and I want to do that. We're speaking with Lorna Byrne about her life, work, and newest book, Love from Heaven. You can learn more about her by visiting Lorna Byrne, that's L-O-R-N-A-B-Y-R-N-E dot com. Remember to join Ravinder and Andrea in a chat room. You can do that by going to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. Do stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment with Elton Taylor. What is one thing you wish you could change about yourself? What if you could make that change happen with the click of a button? With Intertalk, Eldon Taylor's patented and scientifically proven and effective technology, change begins to happen the moment you hit play. Intertalk works by priming how you talk to yourself and when your inner self-talk aligns with your outer goals. Anything becomes possible. Visit www.intertalk.com to find your talent today. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're chatting with Lorna Byrne about her life, work, and newest book, Love from Heaven. Now, we ask our guests for three songs, songs that have some special significance, real meaning to them. Music can elicit some deeply emotional states, and in many ways, our favorite music can say a lot about who we are. So now we just played Mrs. Robinson, performed by Simon and Garfunkel. Lorna Byrne, why is this one special to you, and how does it tell us about who you are? I don't know exactly how it tells you about who who I am in, in that, that in that way. It's just that I was very young when I heard that song first, and the angels had me, in a sense, dancing to it, you know, and it was on the TV in black and white at, at the time. 
Um, and it has always stayed, stayed with me, you know, in that, in that way. And I love the story it tells as well, you know. Um, I suppose it touches my heart. Okay. I have to ask you something, because when I listen to that music, you know, there's some music that's just very hard to sit still to. And when I listen to that music, you know, I kind of, you know, get looser in the joints and bounce around. Do you ever dance with your angels? Um, God, that's a lovely question you've asked, and no one has ever asked that question before. And so I will share the secret with you. Yes. Please. Yes. I have... How would I say, um, I have moved around the floor with them in that, in that way. And I did that to, to that song the first time I heard it on, on the TV. And as I said, I, I was quite, quite young. Um, the angels just danced around me in a circle. And I always remember, um, Angel Hosis, you know, who's an angel who's in my life quite a lot. Um, standing at the kitchen door, you know, and my mom was in the kitchen at the time, and um, just watching him in in a sense, the only way I can describe it, um, moving his shoulders, you know, uh. in that in that way, and just giving us a big big smile. But as soon as the the song was over, um, the angels that were dancing with me um, just left, um, but angel hostess remained there. Um, for for a little while, you, you know, I, I know because we've discussed, you know, the learning disabilities and how they were looked upon when you were a child, and and you know all, all of that kind of stuff you had to go through. But I, I stop and I think, how much fun it must have been to have angels to dance with, to play with. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of people just think, you know, an angel is like this austere person that watches over your shoulder, don't do that, you know, kind of thing. But don't you have fun with them? Of course, angels, you know, um, you know, sometimes when I was sad or down or, or anything like that, or, or I scratched my knee, you know, I, I fell, and they would always try and do something to cheer me up. So, yes, I... I, I love these questions because the questions I, I really have never been asked before, you know, even as a teenager, you know, um, one day coming home from work and um, I was walking up, up the road. It was a cold day and it was lashing raining. And how can I say it? Um, the angels just gave me great encouragement. They ran from one tree to another, you know, and I ran after them. In that in that way, just to get shelter from from the rain, I do have to say, even though the angels are in my life all of the time, and I see them physically as I would see you now if I was in the same room with you, um, it didn't make life any easier, but I wouldn't change it for anything. It, I guess I mean what you just said uh, has ignited a thought, and I'm going to pursue it. Um, from where you are. When you talk to somebody at a, at a long distance, do you have a connection to their angels, or is it only your own angels that you sense and see? Um, sometimes it's 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 you know an angel that is here with me, and the room here is is full of angels, and angel hostess is here. But when I'm going to be talking to people, um. I do ask if it's possible that their guardian angel 
would um, respond, that I would be allowed to hear the thought of their guardian angel no matter how far away we are. And sometimes that does happen. And other times it is only the answer that I've been given from the angels that are here with me. I'd have to tell you the truth. I couldn't say, you know, I couldn't say, you know, it happens all, all of the time. Right, right. But, you know, for our listening audience, just to clarify this, when you're walking down the street, you see everybody's angels just as clearly as you see your own, right? Yes, um, and and to me, it's it's just normal. Like, I, I don't know what it's like for you not to see um, people's guardian angel and, and, and the other angels that are there as well. I actually couldn't imagine life that, that way. You know, um, and again, I I don't know why God chose me, because I always say I'm very ordinary. You know, I I don't think I'm any way special in 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 any other way than anyone else. Um, but you know, the angels always told me to keep it a secret. You know, from the time I was a child and. You know, at times they would think... One thing I know about you, Lorna Byrne, is you are not very ordinary. <laughs> okay, but okay. I think I am. To me, I am. To me, okay. I'm, I'm just me. <laughs> All right, so let, let's let's move on here. Last week, our guest informed us that she was guided all of her life by angels. I asked a question that she never really got an answer, or gave me an answer to, Lorna. So I'm going to put it to you. Okay. It, you know, there's there's a lot of thrust behind the idea that there's a certain level of predetermined nature to our lives. That is, you know, the Lord knows everything, and in that sense, you know, uh, he knows what we're going to do and when we're going to do it, he, she, and I, I don't want to anthropomorphize this, but, you know, matters are predetermined. Um and if that's the instance in our angels, they know everything as well, so they'd never make a mistake. So now here's my question. If the world is not predetermined or predestined, then it's possible our angels could perhaps make a mistake when they give us guidance, especially the kind of guidance that, uh, you know, is about investment or business, money. Uh have you ever been given bad advice by your angels? And do you think it's possible for those I angels have, to make a mistake? I, I actually don't think it's possible for them to, to make a mistake um, because no no angel, not even your guardian angel, will overstep your free will. So you actually have to have the choice, you know, to say yes or no. Like loads of times when when the angels would say to me, even when I was married, you know, that you're going to write about God and us. Lots of times I felt like saying no. I just wouldn't answer, you know, because okay. I couldn't see the possibility of doing it. Right. Um, so I don't want to I, step on any toes then, but I do well, want to ask you this. Um, do your angels, I mean, would your angels um, tell you what, you know, stock to buy on the market or what business to go into? Are they in the business of I, investment? I wish... I wish they would tell me um, something like that, but I'm afraid they won't. You see, you you can't you can't. Um, what would you say? You don't get an answer for everything, and you know it's it's like as if for me anyway. Those things 
don't seem to be important in, in, in my life. So what would I do with a load of money? I would only give it all away. Yeah, okay. In that, in that so, way. so, Lorna, would you hear that that somebody's angels are telling them how to be successful, what business to go into, how to make money, when to sell, when to buy? What What do you think? I, mean, what, what, um, I, I think that happens at, at times, but I, I think the person has to be really sure that they are listening to the guardian angel and that it is the guardian angel. Um, you know, I know loads of people, you know, would say, you know, they felt really strongly about doing a particular thing. It could be business, and they decided they would go for it, and it was a great success, you know. And then you might hear other other people saying, you know, um, they did feel something positive within themselves, but they were too scared to go after it, you know. But a lot of people kind of feel... Well, why should I have to work for it? Why don't the angels just make it happen? Why doesn't God just make all the good things happen? But we are human, and we have to live a human life in that in that in that sense. And it's the human part of us that makes mistakes. I would say to everybody, if you could listen to your guardian angel more, you would receive and hear more of that guidance you're giving more clearly. And life okay. would be easier. I don't mean for this to be a trick question, so I just want That's to okay. put I it away before we go. <laughs> if there are angels that make or give financial advice, which is what I just understood you to say, some angels may do that. Yeah. Uh, financial advice is based on what's going to happen in the future. Um, you know, are the commodities going to increase? Uh, is so-and-so going to make this decision? And that's going to lead to, you know, a great improvement in this, that, or the other. In other words, they are seeing into the future when they give that advice. And what I you're don't... saying is they never make a mistake, and yet we have free will? Yeah, they, they don't make a mistake. I, I know that, you know, it's our free will that... They don't overstep that that boundary. You know, they could just just say I was out shopping, and you know, they would say to me or, or say to you, you know, you should buy an extra milk. It would be good value for you to do so. You know, sometimes we just don't bother. We we say, oh, I don't I don't need it, and and prayer is very very powerful as well. So I know business people. I've met lots of them and they would say, you know, that they would pray and they would ask and they would say they know at times they get guidance and they make, you know, the right choice. All right. But but the angel won't force you. It it will only tell you, it will only help to guide you. And I suppose that's what's happening in in the world today. So many um, decisions were made wrongly in one sense. I know that here in Ireland... You know, um, we call it the Celtic Tiger, and it, it just couldn't keep going on, and and it, it collapsed because, in in one sense, you know, business people and banks and and all of that kind of got greedy. Yeah. You know, you we weren't meant to get greedy. We were meant to make an abundance, but abundance for everyone. But it's like fairly and and justly in in that in that way, and. We wouldn't be in the state we're in today if if we had only done it correctly. All right, you but have that's the just setup. Human people. mistakes. 
Okay, you heard the setup piece, Lorna. Have you ever heard someone give one of those convenient answers and thought to yourself, how convenient, and how does a serious inquirer distinguish between a convenient answer and the truth? I mean, do you ever meet the convenient answers? Um, I I suppose I I, I have at times, um, you know, that someone would give a convenient answer. And I, I think they do that because sometimes they don't have the answer themselves or, again, because they have got, you know, false information that, you know, maybe when they got information they didn't listen correctly or in that in that way. Um, and I know lots of people give convenient answers because they may be tired or not interested or bored. Just, or just, just those, those simple, simple things. Yeah, or some of them are just, you know, prevaricators. Yeah. <laughs> we, we all live in a world where, you know, doubt is one of our stumbling blocks. And there must have been a period of time that at some point that you doubted either the advice of an angel or the presence of an angel or that they were angels. I mean, we all experience doubt. What is the purpose of doubt in this life? I think the purpose of of doubt is, is to help us to keep on questioning, you know, to help us to keep on searching for, for the truth you know, to help us to to see more clearly and to help us um, to grow sp- more spiritual in, in that in that in that way. And I think it is doubt to help us to make, you know, this world a better place to you know, even even when something really good is happening in the world, you know, to have that bit of doubt, you know, will help will help us, you know, question it if, if it's going in the right direction. I think doubt is 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 a good thing, um, because it does it does all all of that. And I have to say, the other part of your question, I never doubted the angels. I I have never had that um, to doubt the angels or God because I see them physically, um, because they have held my hand, um, because you know they speak to me clearly. You know, as as you're speaking to me. You know, in that in that way as well. So, when you were little, Lorna, you were working in your father's garage, and a thief uh, stole a cassette. And uh, the angels made you invisible, so uh, the thief would not harm you. Did you doubt for a minute that you were invisible at that at that time? No, I didn't doubt it at all, and I. I followed the man around the shop as clearly as anything, and I stood, you know, like three feet away from him. He should have seen me, but they they made me invisible, and that is something that is very rare that they would do. Um, I didn't doubt it at all. I I have no reason to doubt, because I've been given so much proof um, myself. Um, All right, now, Lorna. We're famous for asking questions here that people say, I've never been asked that question. That's that's what this okay. show is all about. So, and that's brilliant. Uh, have you ever just told your angel, shut up, go away, leave me alone? Yes, I have. <laughs> I have done that many, many times. You oh, know. I'm, 
You've got to unpack it. You can't just say many, many times. Give I, us the I, flavor I, I, of I that. have. Um, I, I just, you know, sometimes maybe when I'm humanly stressed or something has happened, you know, or even even when my husband Joe was sick, you know, um, and and I felt, you know, humanly I wasn't coping or, or he wasn't coping and how hard it was on the children. And I would, you know, scream at the angels and just, in a sense, tell them to go away and leave me alone because... I didn't doubt them in any, any way, but it was the human part of me just feeling stressed and and unable to cope in in that in that way that way and finding it just very very hard. Um, but sometimes I would just tell them to go away and leave me alone. I I want I don't want them around me for for no reason at all. In one sense, I just want to be alone, but I can never be alone because. You know, my guardian angel is there with me and won't leave me for one second, just like everyone else's guardian angel, so you're never alone. But the other angels, you know, they might go outside the door, um, but they would be peeping in. Or, or if I went for a walk and I said I want to be completely on my own, um, sometimes I would cop an angel down along the river f- further, you know, just kind of hiding behind a bush or something like that, or hiding behind the tree or a pillar. Um, so they don't go very far from me. You know, I told my son, um, my youngest boy is 16, I was taking him to school today, I told him that angels, you coming on the show, and that your guardian angel is always with you, and you know what his his response was? Dying to hear. Mm. Even when you go to the bathroom? Exactly. Um, that is is one of the things. Angels don't see us in the way we see ourselves. They just see us as, as beautiful human beings. And, and another reason why they see us like that is because we have a soul that is that speck of light of God, you know, and, and our soul makes us beautiful in that, in that way. And angels love to be around us. And that's another reason why your guardian angel never leaves you for one second. So you're never, never alone. And to your guardian angel, you're their num- number one. And they love you unconditionally. Even if, if your son done something that wasn't so good or so right or he felt guilty about something, your guardian angel, his guardian angel would know, well, that was wrong and would, you know, giving him that guilty feeling to help him to, to correct what, what he done, he done wrong, but his guardian angel would still love him unconditionally. And to me, that is, that is incredible, you know, that, that this angel loves you regardless, and it's the gatekeeper of your soul. You know, um, you're very precious to your guardian angel. And that is, you know, I hear from so many teenagers now from all around the world. And that is one thing that they're saying, you know, that is the most important message that that they have got is knowing that they have a guardian angel that never leaves them and that they're, they're never alone. Um, I don't know if I have time to tell you a little story. Well, you know, we've got a break coming up in about two and a half minutes, but I want to hear the story. So could you save the story until after the break, or do you want to start the story and then we'll... I'll I'll, I'll wait till after the break. Just remind me again. (laughs) Okay, I'll remind you again after the break that we've got a story coming up. Now, Lorna, I have to ask this before we go to the break. Uh, 
do your angels ever give you the sight of yourself? I mean, you describe how the angels see us entirely differently. They, they don't see us as being, you know, the human being sort of animal. They see us in this very special way. Have you ever been given that sight to where you could see the human condition the way angels see it? Um, I, I don't think fully in the way that, that you're saying, but I have been allowed on, on occasions to see the soul of a person, and I do see the beauty within a person all of the time, and I do see the good within a person, even even within a person that might turn around and tell me horrible things that they have done. Um, I always see the beauty in everyone. Um, All right. It's it's just something that, that the angels allow me to see, but I don't think in the way that you have just said. One last real quick question. You know, do uh, people um, come to Earth uh, to be evil because they made a deal to teach us forgiveness, and so they're really not. There really is no such thing as evil. Um, I'm afraid there is evil in the world, um, and people, God doesn't send a soul to, you know, to be born into the world, in, into a baby, because when you're born, you're pure, you're pure love, you know, you're uncontaminated in, in any way. Um, it is, again, the free will, and it is, again, the hardness of the world. You know, even that man that was burned to death there, that horrific thing that happened, you know, his father is in pain and anger and so much hurt, you know, that he wants revenge, you know, and that, again, is the most natural thing, but it's it's revenge, you know, that cycle that, you know, causes such evil in the world, and, and there is lots of evil there, but there is a huge amount of good, you I know. You, you have All right, to when we come back, we'll pick that up, and then remember, you've got a story you're going to tell us. If you'd like to know more about Lorna Byrne, her work and books, visit her website at Lorna Byrne, L-O-R-N-A-B-Y-R-N-E dot com. Now, we have a video for you during the break of our guest presenting a special prayer given her by Archangel Mikiel. You don't want to miss it. You can check it out by joining the chat room. Just go to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. We'll be right back. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment with Elton Taylor. It's not your fault until you know better. Self-defeating, self-sabotaging thoughts can be eliminated. It may be difficult to accept, but the fact is magnetic resonance imaging shows us that your subconscious mind makes almost all of your decisions, while your conscious mind makes up reasons to explain your choices. In order to rid yourself of those self-defeating thoughts and ideas, the fear and doubt that can hold you back, you must change the way you talk to yourself. Nothing does this faster or better than our patented InnerTalk technology. Scientifically proven effective in the most rigorous of scientific studies, InnerTalk has repeatedly been demonstrated effective. Change has never been easier. Now you can improve your life almost automatically by rewriting the scripts hidden away in your subconscious. Guaranteed to work. No reason to wait. So don't delay. Go to innertalk.com today. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor.
Welcome back. If you're just joining us, we are speaking with Lorna Byrne about her life, work, and book, Love from Heaven. Now, Lorna, we just played your second musical choice, Lucinda Drayton performing 100,000 Angels. So please tell us, why is this one special to you? Um, Again, this one just touches my heart, you know, because, you know, I think it's the singer as well, the way she sings it so gently and so softly. And it is about 100,000 angels by your side, and it's about love and family. You know, um, I think it speaks uh, an awful lot, not just to me, but I think to to everybody when, when they listen to it, you know. But I know you actually have to really listen to hear to hear the words. It's a beautiful song. You have a story you wanted to share with us. And we were short of time before the break. Let's let's begin this next hour with that story. Well, this this story is about um, a seven-year-old little boy and and his school friends. You know, I was asked to go to school um, to talk about you know the guardian angel to tell these children that they have a guardian angel and. Um, a lot of these children, maybe their, their father or mother might be in prison. You know, it's, it's a very poor area in Ireland. And I was delighted to go. And there must have been about 30 children of that age. And just went into the classroom. And I just had to smile because just seeing the guardian angel behind every child was just so incredible. You know, and all the teachers, you know, standing around the, the classroom. There was four teachers there. And I started to talk about the guardian angel and to tell them that each of them had a guardian angel and that I could see the guardian angel physically. And some of the children, you know, put up their hands and, and asked, you know, what's my, what does my guardian angel look like and all, all of that. And I described the guardian angel for some of the children and then, then I, I done what the angels had told me, and especially the guardian angel of this little boy who was seven years of age. And the guardian angel said, Lorna, tell this little boy that he can tell his guardian angel any secret he wants, and he can ask for help. And um, I remember saying that to, to this little boy, and he kind of looked at me and and he said, can I really ask my guardian angel for help? And can I tell him my secrets? And I said, yes. And I, I said, I can see your guardian angel right there. And I described his guardian angel to him. And I, I told him his guardian angel was a safe place, just like your teacher is a safe place to share your secrets with. And this little boy just started to say, well, can I tell my guardian angel that, you know, my daddy's in prison and my mummy is seldom at home and it's my granny that would come down to the house. But sometimes I search the presses for food and there's no food there, you know, and sometimes no one comes to the house, you know, for three or four days and I'd be just starving, you know, and... You know, the teachers in the class were so shocked because they didn't know this was happening, you know. And then another little girl, you know, put her hand up and she said, can I share a secret as well with my guardian angel? And I said, yes, go ahead. And she spoke about, you know, having to run and hide, 
you know, when her uncle would come in into the house. And the teachers were just so surprised, you know, that the children spoke so openly and they had learned so much that day. And, you know, after I was finished talking with with the class and left, um, I went back to the teachers and the teachers all agreed that they would, you know, bring in a lunch for this little boy every day, you know, and make sure that he has food going home every day as well. You know, they were just so shocked that, you know, this was happening and they were their teachers and the children weren't sharing anything with them. Um, But I did hear back afterwards, you know, that the children now share with them if they have a problem at home and and so many problems are being sorted out for for them. But one thing about that little seven-year-old boy, even though his mom would seldom be there, you know, he loved his mom very much and he loved his dad very much. You know, he spoke of his dad and as well as that, he spoke about his horse. You know, um, his horse was his pride and joy, um, even though he just kept it in the garden and sometimes would bring it to a field down down the road. Um, I think it's very important that we allow children to know that they have a guardian angel that is there to help them. And that's the way the guardian angels that day have so many children within that class, you know, um, by getting them to speak out, you know, and feeling it was a safe place and that they could ask the guardian angel for help and understanding as well that they could come to their teacher. You know, seemingly that day has made a, a huge difference to, to the lives of, of those those children. Um, so I would say to every mother and father or even uncle or aunt or, or even another teenager, you know, not to be afraid to turn around and tell the child, by the way, you have a guardian angel, you know, or even another adult, even if, you know, the way sometimes we're always kind of afraid or we'll be ridiculed and laughed at. But does it, does it matter really? You know, if if it can help someone else's life, you know, especially a child or, or a teenager's, um, or it can help someone feel that, that they're not alone. I just wanted to share that, that story because, you know, I pray for that little boy and, you know, the other little children, other little boys and girls that shared so much that day, you know, that their lives are becoming easier in one way and, and happier and I am keeping in contact with the priest that had brought me to, to the school in the first place. You know, I thank God that he listened to his guardian angel and had the courage, you know, to ask me, you know, would I go go to the school and, and talk to these young children about the guardian angel. And it's just so amazing that there's so many children in the world that don't know they have a guardian angel. You know, people to say to me, you know, or your books are only for, you know, people that believe in, in their guardian angel. But the thing is, they're not. They're so full of so many messages. They're for everybody. And again, you know, it doesn't matter what religion you are, or even if you say, I don't believe in anything, you know, in that in that way. Um, because we all need to reach out, you know, and help each other and allow the love that's inside us out as well. And that's one thing 
the guardian angels, you know, everyone's guardian angel wants to help you to make life easier for you so that you become, you know, more happier and peaceful within yourself. What do you say, Lorna, to the skeptic who might hear this story and say, you know, if you tell a young child that they have a guardian angel and they can talk to them, um, whether or not there's a real guardian angel there, a good deal of them are going to begin to express themselves. What do you say to that skeptic who would say, you know, whatever information you got, you would get anyway by just pretending that they were guardian angels? Well, I, I would say say to a skeptic, you know, um, I'm glad you asked the question in that in that way. And again, I would say, well, then why didn't somebody else do this to, why didn't the teachers, why didn't the children, when, you know, the children, when the teacher spoke of the child's guardian angel, um, you know, in class, you know, um, during different things, um, how come the children at, at those times, didn't open up in that way. All as I could say is that they opened up because God wanted them to open up, the guardian angel did, and it was the right time for them to do so in that in that way because there were so many teachers in the classroom. You know, sometimes, you know, even when a skeptic brings things up, it's, it's very hard to understand why things happen in, in, in different ways. You know, like the teachers had said that they had spoken to the children about the guardian angels as well. You know, that the children never opened up like that at all, never even asked questions in the way that they asked questions that day, you know, or shared, you know, um, I don't, I don't really even know how to answer it. You're fortunate that you can do that. In Europe, I assume you were in Ireland when you did this. Yeah. It's, it, that's the kind of thing they just simply wouldn't allow in the United States with this, you know, politically correct, I'll put that in quotation marks, um, antagonism towards anything spiritual or religious in our school system. I think it's a huge mistake, but then that's just my opinion. Let's, I, I want to ask you this. The angels have provided you with information that is uh, very often political. On this show, you endorsed a controversial program advanced by President Obama uh, that another angel conversant or alleged angel conversant, uh, you know, opposed. So, you know, you have shown a great deal of interest in America and your angels appear to have provided stimuli for that. Why is this, Lorna? And further, what's the interest in America? And should our angels be involved in politics? And if so, what happens when angels disagree? When angels, I don't think, disagree either. <laughs> so I have to smile. So it's not the angels that disagree. <laughs> it's the representatives that are speaking for the angels that disagree. Um. I don't really know how to answer that. You know, if if we're all listening to God and the angels correctly, we wouldn't disagree. You know, um, because we'd be all getting the messages um, straight and quite quite correct. Um, it it was just as as a child, you know, the angels had shown me the American Gathering Angel. You know, a particular angel that was taking people, young people, you know, whole families from Ireland and getting them to emigrate 
um, to America. And it was only over the years of my whole life that I, I learned, you know, why all of this was happening. And to me, that is an incredible story. Um, and I, I, I don't even in one sense understand it fully, you know, but America is, you know, the new race because it's it's the only country in the world, you know, that has such a mixture of all races of, of the world, of all religions, of, of just so many different things, you know. And, and in America, I know many of the answers, you know, to, to solving the world's problems are meant to come from America. And American people are, you know, that bit in, in a lot of ways, even though, you know, lots of them might say they're sceptic, you know, in that way, but they're actually very open spiritually. And I even know after the Twin Towers, that horrific, horrible thing happening, you know, it even opened up um, Americans to be more open again spiritually in that, in that way. You know, it moves their hearts, you know, um, so yes, you know, I I would, you know, all of the time be asking for Americans to become more open, you know, to become conscious of your guardian angel, you know, to, you know, just just to be aware of the spiritual part because it's it's like an evolution within within America as as such, and it's meant to spread out. You are the new race, you know. God has gathered you from all over the world. You know, I don't think there's a country yet left that um, some people, some families haven't emigrated already to America. I know it's still happening today because I'm still seeing those American gathering angels um, on different occasions, especially when I'm over there, but even here in Ireland or, or even sometimes when I go abroad um, across Europe um you know, I'm still seeing those American gathering angels, and they are, in one sense, uh, they're not here in huge abundance in that in that way. I never saw them in that way. It's not that I would see hundreds and thousands of them. You know, I could just be walking down down the street, you know, this week, let's say, and you know, see American gathering angel with with a young person or an older person or, or with a family. And I would know that that family is being called to to emigrate. And I know not all families do. And I don't know why God didn't send me to America. You know, I often laugh and smile at that. But yet I do have family that have emigrated to, to America. And I only found out recently that I have a cousin that emigrated to America just a few years ago. Um, and my own youngest daughter often speaks that, that that she would love to emigrate to America. You know, and to me that is, is incredible that America is, you know, the gateway to, to the future of mankind. You know, it it has so many of the solutions and there it's just what would you say, I'd love President Obama not to be so to make the right decisions, you know, to listen, because I know he is a spiritual man, but it's the powers to be that, in one sense, he's afraid of. You say you're walking down the street and you see an American uh, 
guardian angel. Gathering angel, I call them. Pardon? American gathering angel. Okay. What makes them American? Say say that again. I say, what makes them American? How do you distinguish that Um, they're American? Because they they all look alike, and the first time I saw them as a child here in Ireland, um, that's what the angels told me. I was to call them American Gathering Angels. So I have always called them that. Um, you know, they're, they're dressed from head to toe. Um, they, they seem to just have shoulder length hair. They all look extremely alike, but with just, what would I say, slight difference. You know, but I couldn't mistake them from, you, you know, the way you, you might have, you know, someone dressed in a uniform and everyone else is dressed in casual mm-hmm. clothes. You would notice the person dressed in the uniform. You know, you know that person is is different in that in that way. Um, so that is the same with the American Gathering Angel. They're all dressed the very same, where other angels would dress differently. Okay, let me let me you know describe, if you will, you know, um, a different angel. I mean, I, I've got a, the American angels, long hair, white robe. Uh, no, the American ahead, Gathering American Gathering Angel has, um, you know, they have kind of like shoulder length hair, you know, just, you know, below the ear kind of that way. And it's always dark in color. And they seem to um, have this band um, around their head that actually goes into their hair, disappears in, into it. And they they were kind of like... Like an armor clothes, it is like a uniform, but it actually looks, you know, a way I haven't described it before, but it looks, what would I say, they give such a human appearance that it looks tight-fitting on them in that in that way. And they are neither male nor female as well. But because I'm, a, you know, a human being, I would actually say maybe they look more male than because of this, this uniform. Um you know, and, and their clothing is, is dark in colour as well. Um, but yes, yes, not black, but dark, if, if you know what I mean, in that, in that way, and even chimes. Um, where, like, you know, one of the angels that I always describe to, to people is, is, is Angel Hosef, you know, the, the angel that spends a lot of time with, with myself, and he dresses very casual in one way, um, like a school teacher, you know, an old professor, and always wears a cape, you know, and sometimes a funny shaped hat. Angels have this this thing of, you know, sometimes, you know, what would I say? Like I always remember seeing watching this angel imitating um, a young person who was trying to, um, you know, get a few coppers. And the angel actually dressed itself in, in, in the same kind of clothing that that the person had had on, on them and was imitating them as well. You know, and that was kind of what I what I would call like an anorak, you know, and jeans, but but yet the angel even dressed in those clothes, how would I say there's just this light about them and yet the clothing is kind of like a copy of what the person was dressed in. But on the angel, the clothing is perfect. You know, right. it's like as if no wrinkle is out of place. 
Americans wear uniforms. I have to ask you this. Um, you know, one of the great things about America has been our role, our ability to interdict and save a lot of lives in the world and end a lot of yeah. tragedy. But there are many people that believe America should not be a world's police force. Uh, what do the angels say on that? Is a role of America to interdict, or should we just be, you know, more laid back? I I don't think um, you know the angels are all all the time showing me that um, America is not meant to be laid back. America is like has to to stand up in in a sense and and realize that it is. No matter what anyone says, you know, it is the most powerful country in, in the world. No matter what um, scholars are out there, and they might dis- dis- disagree. Um, but I think deep down in everyone's heart, we all know that. And okay, I have to ask you to hold it. But when we come back, you'll have plenty of time to flush it out. We're glad you tuned in today. We know you have many choices, and we're grateful you chose to join us. We love your feedback, so please join me on Facebook. And or drop me an email at Eldon at EldonTaylor.com. I love sharing your letters and comments on the show, and that's a great great way for you to participate. So we'll be right back after paying some bills. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Hi, I'm Eldon Taylor, and you're listening to Provocative Enlightenment Radio. I'm so glad you could join me as we tackle those tough questions in search of the answers that really matter. But remember, this is a journey we are undertaking together, so I would love to hear your thoughts as well. Please send your comments to Eldon, that's E-L-D-O-N, at EldonTaylor.com. You can also join in the conversation by joining me on Facebook at Dr. Eldon Taylor, that's D-R-E-L-D-O-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R. Now... Back to the show. Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling from glen to glen and down the mountainside.
Welcome back. We've been chatting with Lorna Byrne about her life, work, and book, Love from Heaven. In this half hour, we'll take your calls. So if you have any questions of Lorna or her angels, give us a call or advance your comments and questions in our chat room. And remember, I love your comments and feedback, so be sure and get it up posted on Facebook or send me that email today. All right, Lorna, we just played Daniel O'Donnell singing Danny Boy, one of my favorites. Why is this one important to you? Um, it's, it's very important to me. Well, first of all, I know Daniel O'Donnell, and, and, and he has been, you know, a great help um, to me, you know, when, when I started out. You know, he gave us great, great support. Um, but I love that song he sings because, you know, it again, it, it touches my heart. And again, I suppose in, in Ireland over the last few years, that, that song is, is a song that touches many uh, a mother and father's heart because, again, because of the, you know, that Celtic tiger that I told you, you know, collapsed here, here in Ireland. Um, so many young people have had to leave the country and emigrate, you know, and I know lots of them have gone to America. Um, I think um, I have to smile at this because I've been told to, to say it. Um, and I'm saying, what way will I say it? it? It was like a harvesting from Ireland with the American Gathering Angels. Um, there were so many of them here at that time, um, bringing um, even whole families um, to, to America um, to be part of, of that new race, you know, that is, is coming from, from America, that, that, that new part of evolution. Um, that, that new spirituality in, in that way and I do believe America can do it and the people of America can, can do it as well so that song really touches touches my heart you know um, and I suppose it touches my heart because my own sister you know when she was I think 17 um, emigrated and she went to America and I always remember you know, seeing, you know, the American Gathering Angel, you know, walking into the house on so many different occasions and standing beside her and and listening to her, talking to my mom and coming back and talking to my mom and dad and she's saying, you know, her friend down the road was going to emigrate and she wanted to emigrate with her, you know. So that, that song, you know, the words in that song is, is kind of like, you know, a mother's tears, you know, mm. telling, you know, her child, if she never sees them again, you know, that she'll always be there. It, it, it is a powerful song, but I've also never heard it performed more beautifully than by Daniel O'Donnell, and he is your friend. How cool that is. All right. Tell us about the Angel of Hope, Lorna. And the Angel of Hope is, is, in, is in the world, and how, how can I say it, you know, um, the angel of, of, of hope, God has has put him here, you know, and I have even seen him here in Ireland today, you know, but the angel of hope is, is only one angel, but he's actually there for all of us, you know, and any time I go to America, I always see him in, in America as well, and he's, he's a massive angel. Again, I know you were saying describe an angel, but they're all so different. It is it is incredible that they're so so different. But this angel 
the angel of hope, there is only one of him in that way. And yes, your guardian angel and other angels help to give us hope hope as well. Um, but the angel of hope is, is massive. He is like a giant. That's the only way I can describe him. He's very masculine-looking, very male-looking, even though angels aren't male or female. Um, and he's, he, again, is dressed from head to toe in, in, in that way. And he's like, the, only, the nearest description I, I can give is it's like that. He's like, you know, a light within a flame. You actually see, it's, you know, it's, it's like this flame that's burning all around him. And yet he looks like as if he's standing within it. But the most beautiful thing about him is that, you know, he holds his torches. The only way I can describe the torch as well is that it looks like, you know, the Olympic torch. It's the closest mm-hmm. I've seen. And he holds this mess, this massive torch and it's burning you know, with with this flame, and he's turning and beckoning to us all of the time, you know, not to give up, to keep going forward, you know, giving us hope. And sometimes when I see him in front of a particular person, you know, I I don't know how he does it, um, because he is like a giant. Um, He's enormous, but yes, when he's beckoning to a particular person and not to an enormous crowd of, of people, not to, like, incense to a full country or, or, or to the whole world, to all of us. But sometimes I would see him beckoning to an individual. and So he has a kind of omnipresent uh, what element? I mean, the, the entire world can be lifted by him at one time? Yes, and, 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 and we need that. I, I believe we we need that, and just sometimes, as I said, when I see him beckoning to just one person, um, even though he's like a giant, he can be in proportion to them within a moment, you know, and then back to in in a sense like a giant, and yet still be in proportion to to them, you know, beckoning to them to keep on coming, not to give up, helping us to see that light of hope and helping us to realize that, you know, what we may think is impossible is possible, not to give up at all, you know, and I think the world needs that, especially at the moment, and I think so many children in the world, you know, need to see that light of hope, and each and every one of us can burn that light of hope for someone else. That's very true. You, you and I are both using gender language here, but I want to clarify now. The guardian angels aren't really male or female, are they, or are they? Um, they no, no angel seems to be either because, uh, how can I describe it? You know, it's like sometimes even with my own daughter, her guardian angel will give a female appearance, but another time it will give a male appearance. But most of the time it gives neither. It's, it's, it's like, for some reason, this is something, you know, that God allows to happen. And I think they give a gender at different times just for us. I see. Okay. I've got so many more questions for you. I should just keep you here for the rest of the day. But tell us this, Lorna. You know, in, in the metaphysical, um, I should say steeped in the metaphysical lore, is the notion that 
the afterlife is divided into different levels. You know, if it's the tree of life, the sephirot, we look at Malkut, Yisod, uh, you know, and, and so forth. Uh, you can look at others' uh, teachings and talk about astral planes. When we have evil in the world, and we've already you know, admitted that there is such a thing, when there are killers or pedophiles or you know, the heinous conduct of some for whatever reason, um, do they find themselves at, at some plane of existence, some level of existence on the other side different from that person who passes, who, you know, was the, what should I say, you know, just a good human being. Um, I know some people would feel very hurt maybe with what I would say, but, you know, everybody when they die, no matter whether they're good or evil, at that moment of death, you know, knows at that moment, you know, that they have a guardian angel. That they, that they have a soul, they know all of this, and, and they know God is real. And none of us, not even I, you know, know that at that moment that that person hasn't asked for forgiveness. You know, and I suppose I'm always hoping, and I always pray that everyone that does die asks for forgiveness, you know, um, because I want everyone to go to heaven. You know, I, I want everyone to, to be there, to go back home. Um, you know, I always say to people to, to remember that, that God has never shown me. And I always say to them, listen to my words, you know, never shown me myself, um, him sending anyone to that place that we call hell. So I'm always in, in the, in the hope. And you have to remember, the most evilest person in the world, even Hitler, you know, he he was, and there's still so many horrific evil people in the world that are doing um, horrific things. None of us know that at the last moment, you know, of their life, that they haven't asked for forgiveness because they know at that moment how wrong they were. So are you telling us, Lorna, that it's an either-or proposition on the other side, heaven or hell, there's there no such thing as different planes of existence, planes that might accommodate for the so-called evil spirits and poltergeist phenomena, uh, planes that uh, might explain NDE experiences where everything is light and love and beauty, that it's really an either-or proposition? Is that what you're telling us? Not, not exactly. Um, God didn't Please unpack me. that, will you? Say that again. Please unpack that. Not exactly. Not exactly. What exactly does well, not exactly it, there's, mean? There's actually so many questions within your question. <laughs> you know, okay. So I'm trying to go back a, a, a wee bit. Um, one thing I would, would say to you, and that is that God did introduce me to Satan, to the devil, you know, um, and I know people call that evilness, you know, um, by other names as well. And for some reason, we're so inclined to listen to the other side more than we would a guardian angel. Um, so it, it does exist. And, you know, I was introduced to a poltergeist as, as a young child as well. 
you know, so they do it, they do it, they do exist, you know, um, but people themselves, again, you know, do evil things and usually do evil things because they listen to the other side or because they have been hurt so much. Or again, you know, do evil things because, you know, they want riches and power, you know, and they will take them at any cost, you know, until the time comes that they realise, you know, they're not immortal. You know, we've lots of leaders out there in the world today that are listening to the other side, you know, but yet their guardian angel is not giving up on them. And we have to remember they have a soul, you know, same as you and me and everyone else. And again, that's why prayer is powerful. You know, we need to, I'd get into trouble when I say I'm going to, I'm asking people to pray and I am praying myself for, you know, a particular leader in the world that we all might know is so evil, you know, or is doing horrific things. But if we don't pray for them and ask, you know, that somehow they will listen, they they won't change in that, in that way. So we all have to, in a sense, pray for the leaders of the world and, and pray for peace because prayer is powerful, you know, on different occasions when, you know, I have been, what way would I say it, um, in heaven where, where I actually died. You know, I know I have written about God's library. I was never shown in one sense, you know, that there's different planes in, in the way you describe. And I can only tell people what God has shown me. I won't tell or talk about what maybe someone else has written in that sense and say, oh, yes, it does, when God hasn't shown me that. That I can't do. Um, so if, if someone calls God's library another plane, well, then that's maybe what it is. But I was told this is God's library, you I know, or, or the time, you know, when, when I was playing, playing with God as a child, you know, it was like in a desert. It was this beautiful sand and, you know, we were rolling down down the hill and just having fun and laughing and, and crawling between the, you know, or one would say climbing over the roots of, of the trees that were there. You know, maybe some people would call that another plane in that way or when I was in, what would I call it, um, something I haven't written about it's it's like you know the throne room of God you know and seeing the massive angels you know standing each side just like absolute giants you know and everything was again so big and I seemed so small in that in that way I don't know God never said to me these are different planes so I can't say to people they're different planes I just see millions of souls there, you know, and yes, they are happy. You, when, when you die, you don't want to be anywhere else because you've come back home. It's like, you know, because your soul is that speck of light of God, um, that love that, that you feel, all as I can say is, you know, any time it has happened to me, I have never wanted to come back, even for my children. And I know humanly saying that now, you know, God, what would my children think of, of me saying that? But but you don't. You know, you're only sent back if if it wasn't your time, you know, and 
you know, you get a glimpse. God has given so many people a glimpse and some people have written about it and, you know, but yet there's lots of people out there that have had, you know, near-death experiences and they speak about it to their family, you know, like even the time Joe died for a few moments, you know, when he did come around, when God gave him back and I got into trouble, you know, God spoke to me mm-hmm. like a father, you know, how dare I ask, you know, in, in that in that way. And, you know, when Joe did come back before they took him into the hospital, he said, he said to me, Rona, I think I was in heaven. You know, and he spoke about it later. He said, you know, I saw my mom and all. There were so many there greeting me and I wasn't sick. He said, I, I was perfect. You know, and and of course you are perfect, you know, because it it is your soul. It's it's our human body that is that gets sick. Like people would say to me, but why does God allow these horrible things to happen in the world? Why does He allow you know my child or my mother to get cancer? There's no answer in one sense, and yet there is an answer. God doesn't cause all these horrible things. We do. We do them ourselves. You know, because, you know, we want material things because we think they're the most important things. And I suppose the messages I'm giving out is to help people to bring them back and to realize that, you know, we're more than flesh and blood. We have a spiritual side. We have a soul, you know, um, and we need that evolution to get closer, you know, for that intertwining of the body and soul together which hasn't happened yet but yet i know in america you know a lot of this is meant to come from america but it has to be truthful you know um and that's why i love your show you know um, because you you ask such intriguing questions you you ask for the truth and it's always important to give the truth it's it's not to give you know, I always remember meeting um, a scientist and, you know, he says to me, Lorna, I love your books, you know, because a good scientist, you know, believes what's, you know, impo- what's impossible is possible. And he said to me, science is changing every day. We prove one thing one day and a few months later we can disprove that because we have found something else, mm-hmm. you know, in, in that in that way. And I think science is actually great because it helps us to understand more of of the world we live in and what's all, all around us. But yet, some scientists have said to me myself, you know, um, Lorna, we, we can't actually, we, what way do they say it? We can't actually acknowledge what you're saying is true because we would lose our credibility. Yep. But the, the science, work that they have done on it, they find it to be true. Okay. Lorna Byrne, I love you. Listen, uh, we have only got a couple of minutes, and this is supposed to be the half hour that I let everyone in the chat room and the phone calls come in, and you answer those questions. So let's just kind of do it real quick if we can. I'll give you the question. You give me yeses or noes. Let's see how many we can get in in about the next three minutes, all right? Okay, okay. Question from the chat room. Is it possible that your guardian angel is really your higher self? No. 
No. If it's okay. a yes or no, just no. <laughs> yeah, okay. Mark says from the chat room, do you think that some angels volunteer to embody in human form? Um, that happens very rarely. The only one, I only know of two, and one was Angel Elijah, but that is only if, if God allows it. Um, sometimes, I think what the, the man might mean is sometimes when somebody is in, you know, a life-threatening situation, um, an angel will appear and give such a human appearance that the person sees them and listens to them. And then afterwards, when they go looking for them or trying to find out who they were, um, they can't be found. Or someone else says, we never saw that person there. Okay. CB says, I wonder if guardian, uh, guardian angels... I'm not sure. I'm going to read the question exactly because it says, I wonder of guardian angels help us. I think that's supposed to be if. Pop out when it is time. Example, when a person dies, especially under painful circumstances. I think I get it. Does the guardian angels help us get out of here, you know, make it easy for us? Um, yeah, your guardian angel, so, sometimes, you know, when someone is dying, um we think ourselves that that human being is in a lot of pain, but sometimes the, the guardian angel has already removed the soul from the body. And All right. It's just That's it. There with We're the out of time. Angels. Yeah. Okay. Burn, I want everybody to know how to reach you. You've got 15 seconds. Tell them. Um, you can go on to my website. It's Um or you can put angelsor.com. Um, and I'm on Facebook as well. Just look up Lorna Byrne and you, you will find me. And read her books. They are great. I have her latest, Love from Heaven, but right this minute you have to order it from the United Kingdom to get it. It's not here in English, but all the others are not here in English, not here in the United <laughs> States. Duh. Okay, I'm sorry. We're out of time. Uh, we've come to the end of another episode of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank all of you, especially our guests, for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the show and will join us again next week, same time and same place. And do tell your friends. Let's have them join us as well. And remember, if you have comments on the show, please do let us know. Okay, until next time, wherever you are in the world, remember, believing in yourself always matters. Provocative Enlightenment has been brought to you by Progressive Awareness Research and other sponsors. Provocative Enlightenment is a syndicated show and appears on other networks. For a schedule of showtimes, visit ProvocativeEnlightenment.com. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor, write to Eldon at EldonTaylor.com. 